Hi there, and thank you for clicking This Is Ideas Worth Hearing, brought to you by TEDx Youth at Victoria Park. My name is Joshua George. My guest today is Richard Lee Tai. He is the founder of the Humans of uh, the University of Lethbridge Project. He's a traditional storytelling advocate and a leader within his own community. And today we're gonna learn all about his uh, life experiences and the path which has brought him to being uh, right here with us today and telling us this awesome story. Richard, hi, how are you? I'm doing well, pleasure to be here. Very good, I'm very happy to hear that. Uh, you were gonna be the, one of our speakers for the uh, conference that we were gonna have a few months ago, and so you had written this phenomenal speech that uh, we were very excited to hear, but unfortunately, we're not gonna be able to hear that until next year. So, do you wanna tell us about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so my talk is really around the importance of human connection and storytelling and why that's important to me is because of my personal experiences moving uh, away from Calgary and moving to Lethbridge. When I moved to Lethbridge, essentially I had lost my whole support network that I had built up while growing up in Calgary. Um, and I had to rebuild it from scratch, which I, which I found a very difficult experience. So even though I was making lots of new friends in the first little while I was there, um, all of it felt very superficial or like surface level. Um, it didn't have the same depth of relationship that I had with my friends back in Calgary. So even though I was making new friends, it was still this feeling of loneliness and isolation. Um, and I had been following uh, the Humans of New York uh, page for a while. Uh, Humans of New York, the, the kind of idea behind that is a photographer went out to the streets of New York, he interviewed strangers, and then he posted their stories online. And that really caught on for people, uh, just seeing a candid um, window into a person's life and seeing all their struggles and successes. And... I got an idea to start a similar project at um, University of Lethbridge, so I titled it Humans of Ecoleth. And yeah, during my first year there, I started interviewing students, staff, faculty, and posting their stories online. And that really helped me regain a sense of, or rebuild a sense of community and a sense of belonging uh, at the university. Well, that's fantastic. It, uh, I bet you've heard some really cool stories doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much. It, people are so interesting. They live so much more different lives than I do. Um, but also there's lots of similarities. I think um, some of the more um, interesting stories uh, interviewed this one student who was part of uh, the Kenyan forces and was also a student at the same time. Um, so she was studying to be uh, a nurse. And yeah, she kind of described her her whole sort of experience. And this is right around Remembrance Day as well. So she kind of described her personal um why that's significant to her and the cool thing with this um sort of format for my project it's photojournalism so we take photos and then we include a caption and she has like uh she has a tattoo of a poppy on her arm so i use that as one of the photos and with her uh, to go along with her story um so that's one example another interesting one to me there's this uh, another student who um after graduating high school, uh, kind of lived off the grid for a few years before coming back to university. So at one point he was living out like in the woods um, <laughs> and describing his sort of experience and why why he chose to finally come back to university. So there there's all sorts of wild stories out there, but it also shows that we're all connected together. Oh, totally. And could you picture yourself living in the woods like that? How long do you think you'd make it? 
I am not very much of an outdoors person, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I think I could manage, maybe. I don't know. It's been a sort of um, on my bucket list anyways to kind of go on a retreat somewhere or I guess into the woods and just spend time by myself and maybe <laughs> reach some sort of like spiritual enlightenment or awakening, but who knows. <laughs> uh, if you're lucky, see now, are these the Canadian woods? Because I think it might be too cold for spiritual enlightenment. <laughs> maybe <laughs> you know i'd make it about 30 seconds i have a very complicated skincare routine so i'd be like in and out <laughs> yeah i i do enjoy the luxuries of living in a house <laughs> definitely so when you're talking to all these people and you're listening to their stories and of course you're getting a very intimate view into their lives right um for lack of better wording i should say uh is there anything that you've kind of thought about after hearing, you know, so many stories and such a hearing about such a diversity of people? I think uh, it ties back to my earlier, uh, what I said earlier about feeling lonely and disconnected. I think as humans, we're all trying to find our place in the world to see where we fit and to express ourselves. And that's what I hear when that's, what I learned as I talked to people too, it's like everyone has their own sort of struggle that they have gone through or that they're currently going through. Um, but it's just not immediately evident because a lot of our day-to-day -day interactions are, again, very surface level. Like you ask someone, how are you doing? And they'll say, good, or I'm doing fine. And then there's like no more, nothing further than that, right? Because um, I remember back to my uh, very first interview I did for Humans of You Love, um, I interviewed one of my friends and she had started a project at her high school where she asked people that question. It's like, how are you doing? And then she follow, followed up by asking, how are you doing really? Um, and that's when she got a deeper look into, well, maybe that student's actually really doing well or they're, they're actually not doing well and they've just put up a sort of um, external presentation that everything's okay. So... I think that's really what I've gone out of the project. It's kind of digging deeper and seeing really how how a person is and what their life story is like. So you really tuned in on that, I guess what we could call the how are you doing facade, you know, that, yeah. that little shield that we all wear, we walk around, we go, yeah, just okay, doing great, you know, the polite smile. And so when you really dug deeper past that, uh, did you feel, what did, what, how did you feel once you started to connect with people like that? Like, what kind of difference did that make when you were talking to people generally once you discovered that shield and how it existed? Right. Um, it feels, I'm trying to find the words to describe Take it without trying to be too fluffy. Too it's fluffy. Like it's, a, <laughs> it's like a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's Well, it's like you, you, you get to actually see another person and you feel a sort of connection and I think again that's what we're all sort of looking for in the world it's like building meaningful relationships with other people and you feel like you've become friends I think that's another way I can put it um I one sort of phrase I, I like is um strangers are just people you haven't become friends with yet and that sort of approach rings really true with this sort of project where um, sometimes I would prearrange interviews, like I'll message a friend or someone I know already and ask like, hey, can we meet up at this time for an interview? But there's also been other other times where I just approach someone like a stranger in the hallway and chat with them. And after 30, 40 minutes of us opening up to each other and 
um, sort of navigating that, then I feel like we've become friends. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I definitely understand that. You know, sometimes I find in life that it's maybe even easier to talk to strangers because you can you can really just mm -hmm. say what you like and they're not going to have that full context um, so that you can really just be the person you feel like you are in that moment, right? Instead of wondering if they're reevaluating who you are compared to a much larger context. So maybe you can find a little bit more truth in that way. Or maybe not. Who knows? Uh, identity is kind of a fickle thing, isn't it? I'm wondering, though, so you said you moved to University of Lethbridge. And of course, you know, as a lot of people do, you're struggling with dealing with the realities of life and moving, you know, cities and uh, isolation and stuff like that. So you, you, you found mm -hmm. storytelling. You know, was there anything that really uh, led you down that path, like uh, personally? Because I know you were inspired by the project in... Uh, New York, but uh, but was there something yeah. more to that? Yeah, I think it is part of a larger tra trajectory that my life has been on. Um, even, yeah, I, I think it really starts with my uh, experience with volunteering. Volunteering has been a part of my life since grade seven. So very much that sort of idea of community service, uh, connecting with peers and helping out different dis building your community so everything everyone's more together and supported um, that's been part of my life since grade seven so i've gradually um taken on more leadership positions taking on more risks and i think this was sort of the natural progression uh, coming to university of lethbridge i had those sort of um skills and passion for it already um for example previously i was a writer and like an editor for a youth run blog so i had that experience already of like interviewing and taking photos and writing and it's just i just translated it to this own passion project that i wanted to that start. is so cool would it be great if everybody just like lifted off and did their passion project yeah i i that would be great but i <laughs> i also recognize i'm like quite privileged to have these sort of volunteer opportunities um that has brought me here because i the sort of adage I hear a lot in university and even in high school is like, get involved. Um, and in my head, that like that makes perfect sense. Like I was involved for so long and it's such a big part of my life and I see all the benefits. But I can also see for a student that's like going into university for the first time that has never been part of a club or volunteered for an external organization, how that's quite a big leap because it's not been part of their normal life or routine. So um yeah, it's it's sort of navigating those barriers too, and building up the confidence to take on those sort of passion projects. I don't think it happens overnight. Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, and there's there are so many factors, right, that might enable or prevent somebody from participating in that kind of capacity. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I know one thing that I always struggled with when I decided that uh, I was going to go to university, and you've got, of course you're expected to be an active member of your community. You know, I always worked hard as a kid, had to work hard, mm -hmm. right? Had a job, I've had a job my whole life, right? And I got to university and they're like, yeah, yeah, we want to give you what's basically a job, except for we're not going to pay you. No money. You got to volunteer. It's good for you. It's good for the community. And that little capitalist, my brain was like, excuse me? Right. <laughs> excuse me? But then you got to surpass that, right? You realize that as a member of your community, and especially as somebody who's young and able-bodied, mm -hmm. right, you kind of maybe some people will find that sense of responsibility to go out and participate to improve things to bring people together right like you do right and continue to do with this project of yours yeah um 
I was reading this book um, called Grit, uh, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. It's by Angela Duckworth. And one of the things she talks about uh, is like finding your your purpose. Like what is your greatest purpose in life? Because there's a lot of things um, like lower level or like middle level goals where it's like I'm doing X thing so I can get Y and then I'm doing Y so I can get Z. So like what's at the top of that hierarchy? What is something that you're, you're doing just for the sake of it? Because there's no higher calling. And I think mm. after doing some reflecting, um, the way I articulated it is um, building human connection in the service of others. I think that is my highest calling and that's where all sort of my extracurricular projects with humans of ULF in my work, all of it drives towards that purpose um, because that's what brings me the most fulfillment. Why do you think that is? Hmm. Good Good question. question. (laughs) Um, I don't know because I feel like uh, I at the end of my life, like, say I'm on my deathbed, right? I, I don't think I'd be happy if I just, uh, all my life was, like, very individualistic. It's like, oh, I've accrued all this wealth, or I have all these sort of achievements and all these material things. Um, I don't honestly think that I'd be happy in that circumstance. It's, again, it's those connections, it's those memories, those experiences that you share with others that really, I think that's the core of what makes life enjoyable and meaningful because at the end of the day anyway it's like you, you don't I, I, at least I don't think it's like it doesn't really matter how much wealth you had at the end of the day it's like people don't remember you for that they remember for you for the type of person you were um and so that's I think that's why it's like building human connection that's why it's important but also in the service of others I think this goes back to the idea of like I, I am privileged um both of my parents were immigrants um, from Vietnam and they moved here so that I could have a better life. So they've made lots of sacrifices. So I feel like I have the sort of responsibility and opportunity to make the most of my life here in Canada and also use that privilege to help others as well. So I think that's- That is so cool. There are layers and layers that go to that. Uh, I think that's something that a lot of us can really resonate with. uh, Maybe that pressure, you know, because you hear these stories from your parents or if you're less recent immigrants, you know, from your great grandparents or what have you. And you realize that it really is a blessing to grow up right where we are. It's a really phenomenal country. And I think anyone who lives here could agree to that. Right. Except for the weather. It's snow today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so you're really at the end. You're hoping to have the best stories with the best people. Yeah. But I've never articulated it that way, but yes, that, that resonates with me. That resonates with you. Speaking of what resonates with you, I'm wondering if you can tell me about your favorite word. Yes. Uh, there's this word, uh, called Sonder. Um, it's was coined, I believe back in 2012, it's from something called the dictionary of obscure sorrows. So the sort of author obscure, sorry, sorry. So you said Sonder, S O N D E R. Um, and the, it's from something called the dictionary of obscure sorrows. So it's the author of that was trying to create new words to describe parts of the human experience that don't have a word for it yet. And one of the words arguably like his most popular, one, uh, Saunders describes um, the realization that 
each person's living a life as vivid and complex as your own. Um, and that rings true to me because it's like every day you pass by, well, maybe not now, but in a regular day, if you're going through school in person, you'd, pa- you'd be passing by hundreds of people. Pre-COVID. Um, and just real... Back in my <laughs> yes. day, we used to talk to people. That's all virtual. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you would recognize that every person sitting at that cafeteria table or passing in the hallway, they each have their own accumulation of life experiences and stories to tell um, each person you see on the bus or uh, so on, right? It's, so it's kind of that realization that I see myself as my own, like, main character in my story, but everyone else sees themselves as their own character. And sometimes we might not even interact. Um, we just pass each other by, but it's the sort of realization that each person has a story to tell, and I think that's what I really got to unlock or explore through my Humans of Youth project. So that's a really wonderful thing to realize as an individual. Do you think that that realization, that attitude played into your overall sense of community? Yeah. The one that, the one that you prosper so much of and, and that inspires you to, to embrace these many projects that you're embracing within your community. Yeah. Um, I think part of where that connection comes from um, Okay, maybe a different way I can articulate it. Um, I feel like one of the reasons why people feel lonely and isolated is the the sort of assumption that they're alone in how they're feeling. Like their sort of struggles, that's something that they need to bear the burden for and that's something that they're going through themselves and that they think something's wrong with them. Um, and then connection comes through empathy, through hearing someone else's story or having someone listen to you Um, realizing that really your struggle is other people share similar struggles to you. And I think that's how community emerges. Uh, It's kind of moving from this individual experience to a collective experience. Um, Yeah, because again, certainly what I was going, what I was talking about at the very beginning of like moving to Lethbridge and feeling lonely and disconnected, I I realized very quickly that I am not the only one that felt that way. Almost every <laughs> other student I talked to described something similar in their first year experiences of like needing, trying to make new friends and um, seeing like it's this sort of awkward dance of like, are you in an, are you in the in group or out group and trying to find your place and your sort of um, community. Um, so that that felt very good, like to have my sort of experiences validated, and that's how I felt more connected Mm. so we're we all leave these rich and complex lives full of wonderment of course we're all our own protagonists but the one thing that maybe could bind us is the fact that we're all alone together yes (laughs) yay oh my god okay that's good stuff right there i feel inspired by that (laughs) i mean maybe in a different way of articulating it it's like Suffering's a part of life. It's kind of unavoidable. Um, but suffering alone is, I don't think, unavoidable. And I think that's why perhaps like we've had this evolution, like this sort of uh, skill of empathy built into us because it's a valuable trait to have. Um, being able to have others support you and work together to find solutions rather than trying to take on the world by yourself. Wow. 
Just my thoughts. I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool thought. So I think that uh, maybe that's why we tell stories, eh? Yeah. I mean, this this is a whole other topic. Let me. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of reasons why people might tell stories. Um, part of my TED oh, talk is kind of talking um, or touching on uh, the importance of storytelling within indigenous peoples or indigenous cultures, because um, in on one hand, it's a way of uh, making sense of the world, uh, of observing all these natural um, processes and trying to make sense of it. But in another way, it's transmitting values um, from generation to generation. Um, and I think that's true in my, my own life, too. It's like, uh, like, as I said earlier, it's like hearing my parents' stories of immigrating that and their sort of... Uh, value system that's been imparted onto me. Um, and yeah, I think storytelling is just a way of making, making sense of your life and, um, I don't know, having, having it as a vehicle to connect with others. Definitely. You know that when we're talking about the, the importance of storytelling, one thing that always baffles me is how feeble the immigration story is for a lot of Canadians. Mm. And by feeble, I mean, like, it seems as if that story doesn't make it after a few generations. Because I know my, from my, from my own personal reference here, I can say that my dad uh, was a semi-recent immigrant. He uh, was a refugee from the 90s, right. right? His story, I've heard, Right. My mom, on the other hand, their family immigrated, you know, a few generations ago. You don't hear it mm -hmm. anymore, right? But I think that that's something that most Canadians, except for, I think it's like, uh, like two or three percent of the, you know, indigenous population, can, that story is one that we should all have. And it's one that really bonds us all together, if you think about it, mm -hmm. right? There's the struggle that your first, the fir your first family members that came over here, there's that struggle that they endured and that they, they, uh, they worked very hard for to make sure that you are provided for so that you can be inspired today like you are to to do the things that you're doing right right but do you think that that says a lot about uh perhaps our culture and the way that maybe that very important story doesn't seem to transgress you know several generations hmm. if i've yeah, communicated yeah. what i meant that's period, interesting I hope you, okay. um and maybe just to to further simulate what you're you're thinking on this because again we're talking about um the cultural, uh, perhaps, importance of indigenous storytelling and that history of storytelling. So in its, in its absence, you know, we're, we're looking at something now where a lot of us are missing a very important story that we share with most other Canadians. It's that, that immigration story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I, this reminds me of a workshop that I, or I participated in, and the facilitator, um, she was indigenous, and she, she presented the question, and it's like, isn't it sad that European settlers are disconnected from their elders and from their land and their stories? And I've never thought of it that way before because it's, yeah, like from all of our home, if we're not indigenous, we're not, we're not from here, we're not from Canada. So we all have a sort of origin story. And um, you're right, as generations um, go along and you're further and further away from that, you you do, you change and you, you have a, different type of culture emerge because 
for sure, I feel like I'm in that transition point where I'm a, my parents are immigrants and then I grew up in Canada and I have this sort of blended system of like, well, I still practice some of my like traditional background from, from my parents, but also I'm very much steeped in this Canadian culture and this sort of value system and so on. Um, and certainly I think as, I, I think the biggest indicator for that, for example, is language. So growing up, uh, my parents enrolled me into uh, Chinese school. So I would go every like Saturday as well and practice how to read and write and speak. Um, and now that I've since graduated, I, I mean, I still speak at home, like a mixture of English and Chinese. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if I would actually pass that on to my kids or not. Um, and certainly my sort of way of thinking, uh, way of being is different, very different from my parents because I grew up in Canada instead of, uh, Vietnam. So I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing, but I, change is sort of inevitable. I feel like if you're depending on the environment you're in. Mm. So we're talking about change. We're talking about, uh, your cultural history you know the general cultural history um the speech that you were prepared to give for the tedx youth victoria park uh yeah conference yeah anyway uh had a lot to do with some things that you learned from the uh, indigenous community while you're here and i you know i personally thought i'm like looking at this i'm like oh hey here's this guy he's from uh uh vietnam Did you say yeah that? my parents are from vietnam Right on. So here's this guy. He's from Vietnam, uh, first generation Canadian. Yeehaw, <laughs> right? Uh, but and he's going to tell us about what he's learned about Canadian Indigenous uh, values and how they've resonated with him and 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 how he thinks that they're you know going to make a broader impact on society or should be part of that. Or it's your speech. You tell me, yeah. right? But I thought I'm like, isn't that the coolest thing ever? To yeah. me, I don't know. I th I get a big kick out of that because I personally, I have, uh, it's a very weird and long story. I don't want to get super into it, but I have uh, lots of indigenous family and I grew up in a weird way indigenous. Uh, I was learned and, and, and uh, learned some things like that. So to me, I have a very fond and personal appreciation for indigenous culture. So I get a big kick out of seeing people who are not tied in via family. Mm-hmm learning about it, uh, some of the many components of it in many cultures and wanting to share those stories. I think that to me, that's beautiful. Right. I, I have a lot to comment about this. Let me see if I could like tie it You have a lot, to, that's great. Together. I want to hear a lot. <laughs> Let me see if I can tie it together with the sort of threads that we've started already. Um, well, first of all, I'm glad that you think it's cool. Um, on the other hand, like what's been signed up, uh, flowing through my mind is like well it's also it feels like a responsibility it's like wh why don't more people know about it or why don't more people care because i do feel like there's this history of uh, erasure for um what happened <laughs> like as you said it's like um immigrants coming to canada they think this is such a place of opportunity it's such a wonderful place but then as you go on you kind of realize that actually we <laughs> took this forcibly took away this land from indigenous peoples and tried to assimilate and essentially eradicate them so the settlers could have this land. Um, and I think that's, for the large part, out of, outside of our collective consciousness, it's like that the land that we're on is actually still not our own and there's still lots of injustices. So I've, I feel like there's a responsibility for me to learn 
a responsibility as a Canadian to learn about this history because I'm benefiting um, from being here. Um, but yeah, about my talk, there's like a particular um, event that sort of sparked my interest in this because I'll be honest that like I, I learned about Indigenous cultures and history through my uh, kindergarten to grade 12 education. Um, but a lot of that I treated academic or intellectual. It's like I'm learning these events and facts in a textbook and then I need to regurgitate it on a test. And I never made an emotional connection towards it. Um, but uh, I had an opportunity to take a Indigenous Relations training program where I heard from uh, a uh, several different facilitators, but um, there was an elder, his name is Dr. Reg Kroshu, who opened um, that sort of training. And he, he told us his story of um, going to residential school. And that's the first time that I had met a residential school survivor. Even though I had read about it in my textbook, I knew generally what it was. It's a much different experience hearing someone's personal struggle and experience and the sort of horror of going through that. And that's when it struck an emotional chord with me. Um, later on during that, um, that four-day workshop as well, another facilitator said, um, the, the closest and longest distance is between the mind and the heart. So what he means by that, it's like physically your brain and heart are close together, but um, bridging the gap between intellectual and emotional understanding is a much more difficult thing. And I think that's what I sort of got out of it. It's like I was learning intellectually through like um, a textbook in my K-12 curriculum, um, but then I didn't have an emotional understanding until I met an individual and heard their lived experiences. And from then on, I'm like, okay, I have a responsibility and also an interest to learn more about this so I can connect with Indigenous peoples. They're not some abstract, <laughs> homogenous group of, um, and I think it's important that I have sort of that um, historical understanding to approach these sort of conversations. And that's exactly what I've done with my Humans of ULF project. Like um, for University of Lethbridge specifically, we're on Blackfoot territory. So there's a lot of um, students that go to the university that are Blackfoot. And I have had many um, gracious opportunities to learn more about what uh, Blackfoot culture and history and the language is like. And I've interviewed staff like uh, and students about their sort of experiences and ask them like well what does reconciliation mean to you and all these sort of things and I again it ties back I feel like it, it ties back to building human connection in the service of others it's like this is a, a an avenue or path that I can connect with more people by understanding this history and understanding other culture um so yeah, while it is cool, I, I think there's a lot more depth of sort of why I do it as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because you found a way to bridge that gap between the abstract intellectualism of, of colonialism and all its yeah. history, right? To the someplace where you can empathize with it. And for anybody listening, they're wondering, how can I do that? And maybe you don't have the time to hang out with a tribal chief or an elder for a while. What I would recommend is to check out the survivor stories from the truth and reconciliation act it's 300 stories of pers 300 pages of personal stories of uh residential school survivors you can find it. it's on google it's published it's open it's 
very easy to access. And though it might pale in comparison to having an actual survivor tell you about their time, I think it is leaps and bounds in the direction of, uh, of positive outcomes and spreading awareness. And my personal opinion on the matter is that anyone who claims to be a Canadian patriot, pride of our country, needs to read the survivor stories from the Truth and Reconciliation Act. I wholeheartedly agree. And for those for those of you who can't see Richard, he is nodding along furiously. Yeah. He's like, yes, yes, this man's about to throw his fists in the air and start praising. <laughs> He's on board. So um, is there anything else you can add on that on that topic? I'm, I'm just, I'm struggling yeah, here to... That's fair. I, I, I want to hear what you're thinking. Um, yeah, I, I do agree. Like reading the Truth and Reconciliation reconciliation commissions a good start um but again i I do kind of fear that it goes back to this you're you're reading words on a document and you might not you're you're hearing personal stories but i think there's also lots of opportunities out there to interact with people live especially in this covid (laughs) world um there's still lots of ongoing workshops if you just look for it um because yeah, I, I, I don't think anything replaces meeting an individual person, hearing their lived experience, and um, connecting and empathizing that way. Mm. Absolutely, and I suppose that's that's why you've gone through these uh, these projects like you have, like you said, for interviewing people at the, the people of Lethbridge, right? The University of Lethbridge, and, and uh, like you said, building that sense of community. Yeah. Um, actually, an interesting point to add on to that as well. Um, as I've been kind of exploring this human connection, I realized that there's actually lots of other individuals out there that have very similar projects, which I'm very fortunate to hear. Um, first of all, I, I, I want to give a shout out to Humans of U Calgary because um, they were sort of, they, they helped support my project um, when I first started because I reached out to them for some, for guidance. Um, but over time too, it's like, there's maybe I can name a few organizations um, within Calgary. So there's a um, there's a place called Humanology, um, which is uh, like a film company, but also like a gallery, and they have a store, and they hosted some like connection nights where again they invited strangers and they facilitated discussion. Um, and I'm part of another group called a Living Room Series, where the idea is like you invite people over to your living room and you just chat about different topics that are meaningful to people. So they've been running online versions of that. So I guess my sort of point is like we're all seeking that human connection and there's there's lots of sort of opportunities out there if you seek it. That is so true. Yeah. Guess again, we're uh, we're all alone together. Huh? <laughs> that, that line really resonates with me. It's from a... It's from a song, uh, Astrovan, by, uh, I can't even remember, it's too early in the <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, Richard, I feel as if we were kind of rounding off on the on our conversation here. Is there anything on, uh, anything for closing remarks that uh, you want to share with us? Yeah, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast and you... You're, you're feeling similarly to how I did, like in, in terms of like being lonely and disconnected. Uh, I think that's especially challenging now with online classes and just how the world is right now. Um, please reach out. It's like you there, there are other people that 
go through similar struggles and um, it might not be evident to you or it might you, there might not be an individual person that you know that has that is going through the same thing um, please still reach out it's like that's that's what I mean about like building human connection in the service of others it's we're all here to support each other through this messy thing called life so um yeah <laughs> right on thanks so much for sharing yeah that. for sure <laughs> and thank you for clicking and listening this has been ideas worth hearing at uh tedx youth at victoria park my name is joshua george and have a phenomenal day and read the truth and reconciliation take care <laughs>